Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Showgame podcast with me, Sean Colfer. This week, there's not a lot of Risby to talk about. The only bit of news that's happened since the last podcast is that Kapow have been confirmed as going to Nationals. They were due to play Clapham Legends in the final qualifier, which was postponed because of some isolation for those teams. But Clapham Legends have now been unable to pull a team together, unfortunately. So they have pulled out and Kapow are through to Nationals. So that means we have our open field set. So it's going to be Clapham, Chevron, Alba, Devon, Lemmings, Bristol, Smash D and Kapow. Those are the eight teams that will be fighting out for the national title in Nottingham. But for this episode, we're going to focus more on kind of the wider structure of what happened this year. So I previewed it a bit last week, but uh, I've been speaking to people about their thoughts on this season and how it worked and how the very different structure worked, the very different approach that the UKU took to the season to, to get the season on. And some of those people had some interesting thoughts, interesting ideas, and I've tried to get into the those ideas and thoughts with them a little bit this week. So first off, we're going to be hearing from Connor Hogan. Hogan had uh, an interesting thoughts about running the league and the tour uh, at the same time, or at least in the same season, which is something I hadn't thought about before. I thought it was going to be one or the other, basically. You either had a usual tour system or you had this kind of league slash cup system for when things come back next year. So uh, yeah, Hoagie had an interesting point on that. And we also had a discussion about another idea that he raised uh, on the podcast. So yeah, it was, it was a good discussion. Hopefully you'll enjoy that. And then I spoke to Hannah Pendlebury, who's had some uh, strong views on particularly the women's division, but then kind of the inclusion of teams in within those divisions as well. So we discussed that. Obviously, a lot of that revolves around Smog in the women's division and Mighty Hucks in the mixed division, but I think it's a pretty balanced discussion. And then after that discussion, I thought it was going to be best to hear from uh, one of those teams. So I spoke to Ben Bruin, the captain of Mighty Hucks, to get their perspective on the league, how it went for them, considering they had been a decline team, and just his thoughts on operating within the league as a decline team and, and whether they do that again. So, uh, yeah, there's some interesting stuff in here. Hopefully, it's a good look back at what worked and what didn't, and there's some stuff that we can learn from this season and take forward into next season, whatever structure we end up using. So, we'll go straight into Hoagie. From there, we'll hear from Hanny, and then finally, we'll hear from Bruin. And then we'll come back to me for a quick sign-off and preview for what's coming up next week. So let's get into it. I'm joined now by one of the captains of Deep Space, Connor Hogan. Hoagie, how's it going? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me back. I thought after the first time you might have uh, been put off, but here I am. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. You've been you've been learning your trade in the the minor leagues and now you've been invited back to the major <laughs> leagues so. <laughs> <Fucking hell. laughs> oh sean you diddle <laughs> so we are here to talk about the the structure of the season this year so the uk you obviously had to do a different thing and uh, i think everyone's you know fairly well agreed that it was good to get a season in and they they did what was needed to do to get the season on but obviously the league system is a uh, different to what we're used to in several different regards. So the first thing is you finished the league season now. How was the league season for you and for, for Steep Space? Yeah, it was uh, a bit up and down, really. So we had what? We had five games. We won two, lost three. I think on paper, we probably won the games that we were expected to win, lost the games that people would have expected us to lose. And I don't know. Yeah, like there was, there was great improvement throughout the season. I think there was two weeks separating our league game against Mighty Hooks, for example, and then we played them 
two weeks later in a friendly and the difference in scoreline was like six goals. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I appreciate different rosters for each game for both teams. But yeah, I think uh, by the end of the summer, or at least by the end of July, we were a lot stronger than we were beginning the league in June or May or whenever it was. So you were able to get that improvement despite the fact that obviously there was far fewer games than there would be in a tour season. So were you able to get you know, what you needed to get out of the league despite the fact there's only five games and then whatever friendlies you can pick up along the way? Probably, like, I don't think it's comparable to a previous season. Like, by the time that we had played Reading, which is our second league game, we had played two league games, two uh, challenge league games, and that was mid-June. Normally, by that time of season, we'd have played three, or maybe late June, but either way, we'd have played three tours, we'd have played a tournament overseas so for example in 2019 we went to Talampaya and we also would have organized some more local friendlies like the affectionately you know Clapham Cup between the likes of D-Space, Heard, Reading, uh, Brixton or whoever else we could get involved. Guilford I think came one year so I think there's a difference between playing four games and playing like 25 and there's also like two or, two or three months of training that when I missed there as well. And obviously this is all because of COVID. So like there can be no complaints in that regard, but certainly we weren't in the same position as a team at the end of July as we would have been in previous years. So in terms of structure, I suppose, we talked a little bit about the, you know, the difference in the games. Traveling wise, I imagine it's probably roughly similar because you had to travel to play all the games against, you know, you had to play against Glasgow, you had to play against Mighty Hucks and they're based all over the country. So traveling wise, I mean, how was it? I, I spoke to, one of the captains from Scram and they had to travel nearly a thousand miles to get their season done. So um, I imagine it probably wasn't that that much, but was it onerous? Was it okay? How did it feel? Yeah, like I guess it's a whole day commitment, which is fine. And I think that's what we're probably looking at if the league structure continues into further seasons. But yeah, you like you'd set off early in the morning, you'd drive a couple of hours, you'd play a couple of games at, at most a couple, so just the two. And then you drive a couple of hours back. So it's probably like six hours of six hours of driving six hours of ultimate and by six hours of ultimate i mean like you know warm up play a game cool down hang around do the process again so like yeah it's a full it's a full day um i don't i didn't love it i would have preferred to have more games per day but i also appreciate in the first couple of rounds like the legs probably weren't there for everyone both in terms of like numbers of players available but also in terms of fitness so after one or two rounds, maybe you could like bump up how many teams you're playing per day. Mm. I think going forward, it's probably the th- probably something to think about would be like embiggening the league. So like more teams in each division. I think that would be helpful or at least having set up a way that having like home and away legs of the games were similar. So you actually end up playing, say, three games on, say, the Saturday or the Sunday, whatever day you're meeting up to play but you do that a couple of times per season rather than just a one-off game, but you've done six hours of traveling. I guess the the travel does feel a bit onerous when it's just a one-off game, even if you're only going as far as, say, Oxford for one of our games. And I think it was useful and important for us to have organized a friendly with Mighty Hawks when both of us had to play Glasgow. It made that trip a lot more beneficial for us. And driving to Birmingham would have been a bit of a faff. I appreciate that Glasgow are further to go. To get to Birmingham, but yeah, it just would have been a bit of a faff if um if we'd only had the one game. So there's a bit of initiative needed. I think if we're gonna continue the structure to only have one or two games a day, that 
you know, teams reach out to whoever's in the local area and see if you can get another team out to make it worthwhile. I think that's the first time anyone's used the words created by Jebediah Springfield in, in this podcast. So that's, uh, that's good. Let's talk about something that I think most people would agree with, and then we'll move on to the more controversial thing moving forward. So the thing that's I think it. most people would agree with is the Challenge League is here to stay and should be here to stay in terms yeah. of organizing games outside of whatever tournament structure exists, League Cup, Tour, whatever. Challenge League games where you play two, ish maybe three games against local teams like you talked about the Clapham Cup that happening around the country and it seems as though it has been happening around the country I think I've heard of more friendlies happening this year than I've ever heard of happening before which yeah. I think is it's great agreed I think that should be something that stays and that counting towards the points that you get in the whatever tournament system um, exists I think is a great thing mm-hmm. your thoughts yeah I agree I agree it's, it's like I think the reason we're seeing it more is one, because we had less organized Frisbee this year and people were, were craving it, but also because it meant something. Like previously, the Clapham Cup, I think like I went to Tiger, one of those kind of shops and got like a two pound trophy for the winners. Like it really didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like preseason reps almost. So yeah, I mean, bragging rights aside, it's important, I think, to have games that mean something. Um Maybe this could be a controversial uh, talking point, but I would be interested to see if going forward, UKU would have, if they say a tour alongside it, if Challenge League games would hold the same weight as tour games. And I think they should, because otherwise you diminish the returns from having those Challenge League games. Hmm. But I guess, yeah, circling back to the actual question, like many politicians. Um, yeah, I think it's here to stay. I think it's good. And I think you need to keep the incentives or else the benefit will fade away. I think if it's if they're using the ELO system, which I know is mentioned in the, the document that outlined the season, then the Challenge League games would hold the same weight. It's just that, Good. for example, Deep Space being one of the top teams in the country, you're going to have a high ELO score. And if you're playing against the team like Brixton, which will be lower down in the, in the seedings at Tor, mm-hmm. so you wouldn't play against them at Tor. And then when you play against them in the... Uh, Challenge League game, you know, if, if Brixton were to beat these space, then they'd, they'd have a massive jump. So I think yeah. with, with the ELO system, I think they'll have the same weighting. I mean, obviously, people who understand it a bit more clearly can correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong there. But yeah, I think and I, I think you're right. I think it's one of those things where they should have the same weight because it encourages people to play them, definitely. Yeah. And then I also think just the fact that you're reducing the barriers that I know Sai has talked about for many years in terms of travel. If you can just get out to the park in the city that you live in or a park in the town that you live in, and play against some local people and not have to travel for ages and not have to lose a whole weekend. It just reduces so many barriers and gets people either back playing like we've seen with LMU or into the sport. So I think it's a, a really good thing. I'm, I'm pleased, to be fair, how many people have taken advantage of the Challenge League. Yeah. And I think aside from competition, it also creates more community. Like, I've been in London now for five years and I think there's only ever really like one community event in terms of like say party for example and that's like end of season everyone goes out well i say everyone like everyone's invited to go out together mm. or maybe at the end of maths like a few teams ended up in the same place i think we we'll have to find a alternate venue this year based on our normal location being closed down or maybe it's like the sick charity hop that happens but otherwise like you know that's three events in a calendar year like there's no real community vibe with 
you know, across all the different teams. And I think that's as important for keeping people involved in the sport as competitive Frisbee. So the Challenge League, I guess, introduces more people to each other. And yeah, it's just, I think, just all around a benefit. Yeah. Agreed. So the slightly more controversial thing, the League League and Cup. So (gasps) I think most people want to go back to a tour system because as I talked about with Benji at the beginning of the season, the tour system is self-selecting the people who all play Frisbee like weekend tournaments because they can play weekend tournaments. So I Mm -hmm. certainly would like to go back to weekend tournaments. How do you feel about weekend tournaments having played a season of this new structure? Yeah, I'd prefer weekend tournaments. I think there's just more benefit from having like five, six, seven games a weekend, depending on how many crossovers and and whatnot you need need to have. Then like a a one-day event where you actually only play once two games. I think if they're going to avoid tours, then the NS is, is going to be a bit more on, like, I guess, local organizers to run tournaments themselves, and that's a lot more work. But maybe the UK is at a point where they're like, we've done that for many years, and it's hard, and we're short-staffed and COVID is affecting a lot of stuff, probably more than just this year, which we need to appreciate as well as players. So I don't know. Yeah. I think I'd much prefer the tour structure going back to normal, like going back to normal, but I think there's scope as well for a league to be run alongside. I was saying this to you during the week. I think, you know, with mixed tour kind of running March to May, there's then a gap between June and July or for most of June and July, where mixed frisbee doesn't really happen unless you go abroad. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of teams will turn to open women's, but if you're to want to, you know, prioritize mix for the year, be that from nationals and regionals and all the rest, then you'll probably want to play some mixed games throughout the summer. And that's where, you know, you could fit in a league system. Yeah, yeah you, you're right. You, we did talk about that a little bit in the week. And I think it's an interesting idea because, I mean, I've been focusing on mix for years now and you're right you have to either play open women's in the kind of the main summer months or you don't really you don't really get anything and obviously when you're playing open women's you're not getting the reps in with the whole team that you would usually be getting uh, training kind of drops off a bit because people have you know it's the summer people want to go out people want to do different things at the weekends it's definitely it feels like there's a lull many times in the in yeah, June, yeah. July for mixed so you think do you think if we were going back to a, a tour structure though would you need to go to a league or do you think that league could be another mini tournament we had mixed or four in 2019 i remember um, mm. in july but yeah maybe yeah. you could have some kind of invitational tournament which would basically replicate the league but on one weekend yeah i guess then kind of look at what's the benefit like what's the point of the league going forward like let's say let's say regionals comes back into play as well. So you've got normal tour structure, you've got regionals, you've got nationals, then you've got the challenge league. Like if that's what we're looking at, then do we necessarily need another tournament running in the summer? Perhaps not. Um, Because like, yeah, you could get like the six teams, top six teams in the country in each division to play against each other on a one-off weekend. And that actually might be more beneficial than, you know, going to a tour where you might not play many competitive games, especially for someone like Clapham, where you know that like the standard is going to be higher than the average, like whatever you're playing, like 12 seed or 16 seed or whoever it is. But I think that still only solves the issue of one weekend. And if you don't happen to get into like, you know, G-Spot or Windmill or Talampaya, then like, what's your, what's your summer looking like? 
are you waiting for your Golden Cup in, in August? And that's after regionals. So maybe there is need for another tournament, but I think the league being a longer process, um, that be that like by that I mean like over a number of weekends probably solves more of the problem in terms of like filling the gap that is there for mixed teams. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I certainly before you had mentioned it, I had been thinking it was one or the other. It was back to the tour system. Maybe you go back to what we've seen in previous years where you have like, uh, you split the tour up where you had like the top teams in one location and lower down teams in another location because those massive mega events are much more difficult now, not only for venues, but also for COVID. Or you have this system we've had this year. I hadn't thought before about mixing them. So it's an an interesting idea. The other thing I was just popped into my head a bit as well, and I'd be really interested to hear more people's thoughts on this, is if there's enough interest for it, would you think that there's scope in the UK for a Div 1 and Div 2 Nats? So like it, it, there's, it exists in Ireland. So you go to regionals and you either, you either qualify for Div 1 or you're automatically in Div 2. And I think that's because we have a much smaller playing population. But is there scope for it so that... You know, the this, this summer and the season actually means a lot more and isn't just cut off for a lot of teams at the beginning of August. How many teams will be in Div 1 in Ireland? Eight in the men's or the open division. Uh, so actually, I think the open division is the only, I think it's the only division that actually has regionals because okay. it's the only one big enough to to warrant it. Yeah. This chat, I think, of going back to like everyone just goes to nationals because the playing numbers are either shrinking or there's fewer teams playing by that point of the summer. Mm-hmm. but I think in the UK you could definitely get away with doing it across multiple divisions I think yeah I suppose it depends what number you're going to because this year mm. I think you definitely could because we've got eight in all the divisions right so yeah certainly an open and mixed you could definitely get a lot more teams in there um, yeah women's you could probably get more teams in there if you're going with eight but then women's nationals as I recall has only ever been eight I think mixed nationals has only ever been eight it's only yeah. open that's been 16 before and even then yeah open with 16 you can still probably fit more teams in there it's just a case of you'd be taking away from some mixed teams potentially but it's not yeah certainly an interesting idea uh so, particularly yeah. saying eight all because you can definitely fit more teams in every division there if there's eight in each division then you could probably get away with div two across at least mixed and open if you go to 16 with the open you can probably still find another eight teams i think for a div two yeah maybe and it means then that this team is like There'll be teams like Fire, for example, who didn't have a shot really this year after getting knocked out by Smash D who have something to play for for the rest of the year. Mm. And it might also entice players to not jump to different teams because there's an incentive to play for Div 2, for example. So like Fire got knocked out this year and immediately there's a bit of a, not a mass exodus, but like certainly there's a good few players that have gone to play with like Lemmings, for example. Mm. And maybe that keeps the club looking stronger if you know they say right we're out of div one contention we're going for div two and there's just more to play for for the year and then teams like fire who've had you know second teams for years uh, mm. even that second team if it doesn't qualify for nationals still has something to play for and that means you, you can really it's... focus on development as well and that obviously would be a good thing because we've seen teams like lemmings this year they've been developing players for mm-hmm. the last few years and you know, they're really seeing the fruits of that work now. So for like, sure, I two teams and that's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that Div 2 would be an interesting potential way to mm-hmm. give extra opportunities to people. Yeah, I like that yeah. idea, actually. A bit of a, you know, light bulb moment for me there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. often get them. No, <laughs> first one. 
Yeah. <laughs> as long as you've known me, it's my, fr my first good idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. I suppose it's just a case of like, where would you put it? Would you put it in the same place as Nats? But if you're only going with uh, eight, eight, and eight, then you've probably got the room for it. So yeah, no, I'd say. I can... I'd, I'd uh, well, say so if you go, if you're going eight, if you're going eight across the park, then yeah, sure. Because I guess in previous seasons you've had sixteen open teams. Mm. So I guess the question is, would somewhere like Birmingham have sixteen teams for open div one, eight and eight for mixed and women's, and then if there's another eight safe for mixed, assuming that there isn't enough for another eight for the women's because I don't think there was this year after various dropouts would you fit that in all in one place might be tight but then maybe a place like Nottingham obviously the venue we're going to this time around yeah, is the true. venue that was for Worlds Wind Farm's just around the corner you could potentially yeah. you know have everyone in the true, same kind true. of area potentially yeah. But no, yeah good idea and I think um, I think one that we could uh, see if we can get some some momentum behind Let's we'll it pitch it we'll pitch it we'll pitch it exactly yeah any other thoughts on the structure writ large i think the only thing left to add maybe is thinking about if we go back to structures before is whether or not the bank holiday is the right time to have nationals and if regionals could potentially be pushed forward as well because then that kind of solves the issue of not having such an enormous gap even if it's by a week or two it's something that was sent through to us for for send it cheeky little cross-reference there um, that Khan and I will discuss over the off-season, I think. But yeah, it was submitted to us last week to see what our thoughts were on it. And I think, I don't know, like I find that August typically shows weaker attendance for training. People like to go away. I think that's possibly because there's a lot of teachers involved in Ultimate. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of their first break in 11 months. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, like the bank holiday, having a three-day three, three day weekend and then any kind of outside interest you have other than Frisbee is kind of taken away a bit. I know that the tournament used to be a three-day event, but now it's back to two. It probably makes more sense to move it off that weekend and give people that long break after a season. To be fair, it was a three-day event, I think, for one year. Uh, they okay. tried it they tried it, it didn't work but I just <laughs> for, a, for a few years now it has it like even when before it was a three-day event it has been that that bank holiday weekend so it's mm. been there a while now and I suppose I could definitely see moving it forward a couple of weeks I don't I think there's probably room in the schedule to do that you might be compressing the open women season slightly but there's probably leeway to do it mm. I suppose the main thing for that would be for the teams at the top because that would leave quite a big gap between nationals and euros but the teams that go to euros are the ones that are going to not struggle to get people to training you know they're going to be committed you'd like so to I think, think so right. you'd like to think so yeah i mean it's still a month a lot of teams will take i know for d space for example we have traditionally taken a week off immediately after after nationals but yeah i don't know just something that i thought might be good it's yeah. just like have a look at that maybe push forward a little bit and like i mean you're going to take a lot away from nationals, but you still then have an extra week of training. There's space for more challenge league games. There's, you know, there's, there's space in the calendar to get stuff done that doesn't necessarily have to be this feeling of an enormous gap. There's only probably three or four weeks anyway, between Euros and nationals. And it might actually align as well with some of the other national events throughout yeah. Europe. Well, another interesting idea. Two interesting ideas to... To finish this this section of the you can't uh, take all the credit for that one. No, fifty percent submitted by someone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks very much, Hoagie. Thank you for your thoughts. It's been it's been fun. So, uh, what do you have coming up on on send it? 
I think this week we're kind of, well, this week coming, which will be Monday the 23rd, we will be kind of having our kind of go-home session for Nationals. So looking ahead at what's to come, looking at some big matchups. Hopefully we'll have a schedule by then we can talk about. And, you know, we'll have a couple of questions in as well from from other people um, about that, you know, discussion points, maybe for this season, maybe for next season. Uh, I guess we'll we'll handpick some and leave some for the off season. And I think uh, we're also going to take a look at some of the best players from the season to date and maybe look at some of the finals from 2019. Bit of hype. Nice. Yeah, cool. pretty packed, pretty packed dream. Yeah, sounds it. Well, good luck with that. Good luck with everything else. And um, unless you play us at nationals, then bad luck for that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, see you, see you in Nottingham. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having me. I'll catch you soon. I'm joined now by Hannah Pendlebury to have a discussion about the structure so far this season. So, Hanny, how are you? I'm all right. Thank you, Sean. I'm a bit ambivalent towards the world. It's a strange time as we reopen and so some things are happening. Like, I'm seeing loads of pictures on social media of festivals, but then, like, I don't know. It's weird. Life's weird. <laughs> how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Much less reflective. I'm all right. Everything's, everything's cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing really nothing really to report so this year we had this very different structure and we had teams in the women's division or a team in the women's division and a team in the mixed division that weren't qualifying for nationals and obviously that's kind of moved everything around a little bit we also had cup league what are your thoughts on the overall structure and how it worked this year well it was an interesting experiment um i think there are definitely like with anything that you're bringing in that's brand new to a you know to a structure it's like there have been some good things there have been some less good things um where we go next is going to be fascinating because obviously pre-pandemic the UK you were looking for ways to make ultimate a bit more regional a bit more local and a bit less of a cult sport you know something that's a bit more akin to mainstream play where you can play ultimate have a non-frisbee life I mean, personally, I'm not sure how I feel about that as a girl, <laughs> someone who's like completely been in the cult for the past decade. But yeah, I think there have been been some good things and some less good things. Uh, there's definitely been, I think, a lack of communication, a lack of clarity on some things. But we'll we'll get to that, I'm sure, as, as the conversation goes on. How have you found it? Have, what are your thoughts overall? I think it's a, an imperfect solution to a difficult problem because, you know, when, the point we were at when this all started, we obviously couldn't have tour because bringing that many people together was just completely not feasible uh, or not feasible and probably not possible, let alone feasible. So it's just a, a system that I agree was an interesting experiment and there's definitely elements of it that I think can stick around. But uh, there's also some elements of it that I think were or are just not ideal and I, I think would be would be bad generally for the sport going forward mainly because the people who are in the sport like how it used to be so there's definitely elements of it that you can keep going forward because it's going to be better for people who are coming into the sport but you also need to take into account the people who are currently playing and the people who are currently playing they like weekend tournaments they like meet, seeing lots of people and all this all the traveling to play one or two games compared to all the traveling to play six or seven does make a difference. It does add up because eventually you've traveled to six games 
Whereas usually you'd have traveled to six tournaments and you'd have played five times as many games. I think that does add up. Absolutely. And it's, it's a difficult model to say, well, you know, other high level competition does that because yes, on the one hand, if you, you know, if you play in, uh, all right, this is going to test my other sporting knowledge, the netball super league in the UK, and you're playing, you know, a team that's really far away. That's, fine because you know you have access to resources and funding and sponsorship and so and there's also a bit more prestige about it mm. I think that's the been really interesting thing for the league is that so I congratulated a um an unnamed Clapham player on winning the league and they were totally unjazzed about it so it's really I think I really like so to start with some positives about the league structure and the kind of the the cup um I like the short, sharp, every game is very meaningful structure to the, the Cup League in particular. I was chatting this through with someone a couple of couple of months ago now, and it's like, actually love the idea of a short, sharp, slightly ruthless, slightly brutal qualifying for national structure. Because I think it brings a lot more meaning. I think it's much more valuable for younger players to have a, we must win this game or we get knocked out and we go home and we don't do anything. Mm. Um, I think it's a, it's a brilliant counterpart. I think there should be a, maybe you have a slightly looser ranking type, you know, structures through the season. So you do have a combination of you can play some challenge league games or whatever. There's, there's, there's been an overuse of the word league. Yeah. But, um, but I think if there's some sort of, slightly more laid back way of obtaining a ranking and then having a short, sharp qualifying round uh, for the season. It's something to focus on and it gets people much more akin to having, you know, must win games. Whereas I think the, one of the disadvantages of the tour structure has sometimes been that like, Oh, well, we're going to play, you know, the eight or B tour final, if you're in the open division or like whatever, you know, crossover game. But fundamentally like yes it's important because you'd like to advance but there aren't always that many high stakes opportunities to play and I think that's one of the things that perhaps might as a nation uh, on the international scene hold us back a tiny bit so so I'm a big fan of that yeah I think that's fair I think definitely like you say for people that are people that are coming you know coming through the system and still learning and still developing unless you're playing for a team like a Clapham or like Reading or Smog or somebody or you know Bristol Iceni, you don't really get to play in too many games where it's like this means a huge, a huge amount. Generally, you're playing placement games lower down uh, until you get to nationals and you're playing for the Euros places and all that kind of stuff. But in while obviously finishing, say, fifth at a tour event is a huge deal. It's not at the end of the day, it's not life or death is the wrong word, but you know, what I mean it doesn't have that same kind of importance that a final would have, or a knockout game in the cup. We lose it, we go home, we don't play anymore. Definitely, mm. definitely that different dynamic is. I can see that being a valuable thing, but I just personally, I don't really see how you put a cup structure, single knockout structure in if you're putting weekend tournaments and stuff back in. I don't see how you can have both. Well, essentially, I think the to make it work, you finally have to bite the bullet and say it's no longer the you play mixed in the springtime when the weather's rubbish and you have to go and like skate around an ice rink of mud in Cardiff to bring back that memory of that tournament where the Sunday got cancelled that no one likes to think about. But I think it's, it's an interesting one because I like nations that it's like, it's like that, you know, when you're a kid at school, right. And you'd see, so we were a jumper school 
Um, I went to a Catholic school called Oakland's in Waterlooville. Shout. Um, <laughs> they're, they're not going to know that shout out happened. <laughs> you never know. It's possible. Anyway, so we were a jumper school and you'd go to like, you know, some school event. You see other schools there in their uniform and you see the kids with the blazers and you'd be like, oh, those blazers look so cool. Like, you know, they don't look like a sack surrounded by a slightly smaller sacks for uniform. You know, it's got some structure to it. It's got shoulders and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the kids with the blazers would look at the ones, the jumpers be like, oh my God, those jumpers look so comfortable. They don't look like a faff. Like, anyway, I think there are definitely other nations that look at us and are playing mixed and then being able to play in the open and women's divisions later on the season as like a, oh, you know, it's really, really brilliant. But I mean, it's become, I think it's something that slightly holds clubs back. You know, I think if you if you take that away and you make a range of events because the player base, you know, is growing. And the problem is, is that if we continue with the structure that is the old school tour format, as we get more and more teams in all of the divisions, as we get more and more people playing. And that's the goal, right? We want to develop the sport. We want it to get bigger. We want more people in the UK picking up a Frisbee, being able to, you know, to get involved. And not even necessarily that those people will end up playing and, you know, directly into the elites we don't necessarily need to have more people like climbing up the ranks but the more people interested in it involved in it the more eyes on it i mean from us from our perspective as you know people in the broadcasting industry it's well the broadcasting side of ultimate not an industry <laughs> i've never been paid beans. that's not definitely not industry <laughs> but that's what you know that's what it's about and i think the problem is is that the tour structure as was it, it hasn't really been fit for purpose for a long time. There's like, it, I'm with you. We all still want to play those big tournaments that have all our mates in. Yeah. But I mean, equally, I now, you know, I used to, it used to take me about 45 minutes to leave a tournament, any sort of tour or anything, because I'd spot so many people that I know. And now there's all these young children coming in, Sean, and I actually get to leave a tournament <laughs> quite quickly, um, which is, you know, benefits and drawbacks. But yeah, I think it's too big at this point, really, to go back to the, the true old days of tour um but then it's like well how to get how do you bring more meaningful opportunities into the sport because also the idea of if you have if you allow clubs to focus more on a proper you know peaking at a certain point in the season it's better for you know your body your conditioning what you're doing there it's better for you know ramping up your training weekends and it just creates a bit more space i think in the rest of the calendar for things like i don't know bringing back some of those fun tournaments that you and i used to go to in our miscreant youth yeah i'd I'd be in favor of seeing the the calendar and the season open up a little bit more by having less formal tour events more kind of the UKU ranking events, which is what they were trying to move towards anyway, that are a bit more local, but still give you enough games. But also, like, you know, listening to Ravi and Liam's Eurozone podcast earlier um, today, actually, they were saying, oh, you know, they didn't seem to really know about Smog Women being quite good as a women's team, which surprised me because I was like, well, we won Junction 7 um, the last season before the pandemic. Um we had a final against Scram. It was really good. It's like you know, giving other clubs that maybe, you know, they might not get into even the top eight at all in, if you had everyone in the UK, but actually giving again, like trying to bring some meaning in for clubs that are maybe in that midsection. Like if they can win their local event and, you know, go and play in a final, get a bit of excitement, get kind of those experiences and just that good feeling. Like I think some, some people that don't, commit fully to the likes like lifestyle of ultimate 
if they could get a bit more joy out of playing a mid-level event but winning it that's probably a good thing in my book I know for a long time you've been we've talked a lot over the last few years of having more roster locking and people being if you're playing mixed you're playing mixed if you're playing women's you're playing women's you're playing open you're playing open and there's not as much you know deviation between the, the, the three divisions and as you said there are a lot of people who play mixed as you know laugh with their friends in the spring and then they go and play open women's in the summer and it's very difficult for mixed teams as you know somebody who ran a mixed team for a long time to keep that momentum going in the summer i spoke about that with hoagie earlier in the in the episode as well and he definitely uh, has the same the same issue with it but from a roster locking perspective we have i mean we've we've also seen issues with that this year so people like smog and mighty hucks they've been in the leagues in a smaller structure in a more meaningful structure you know you could say but then we've also had that element of the roster locking hasn't been on do you think that's been helpful helpful for them helpful for the rest of the the teams that have been playing obviously both those teams have been very good so it's been good from that perspective to give the best teams in the league another good game it's not just been a walkover against somebody but are there drawbacks to that as well you know having somebody who's looking to go internationals I think the interesting thing for this season that we're in at the moment is that there's been such a different, I think, impact on the two, based on the different divisions. So I think if we're talking about the women's division specifically, having those players that are able to come across from the mixed, high-level mixed side of Spog, I mean, to, it's a, like a full-on club with the sending two teams nationals, right? So like, yeah. it's a, that's, a, that's a lot of players yeah. and a lot of really high-quality players. And... It is, you know, it is the case that as much as open and mixed are brilliant divisions for women to play in, there's still something to be said for the freedom and the ability to be a bit more of a big deal <laughs> in the women's game as a, as a, you know, as a female matching player. So, in terms of the impact of the roster freedom for allowing Smog to come in and be a declined team for for national. Uh, uh, for the league, sorry, so i.e. not going to nationals. In the women's division, like it is still the case of that top, it's completely top heavy. It has been for a really long time. As someone who's played in a variety of different women's teams over the past 10 years and so, it still is breaking into that top set is really difficult. So from a player perspective, it's either join the big teams or, you know, sort of sink (laughs) a little bit. And it's, you know, which is a difficult mindset to break as well. Obviously this year there's been a bit more, I think a bit more parity. Some people have sort of been able to sort of take a, a more a chilled year and some younger players coming onto the sort of the rosters of the big, big guns quite nice. Um, I'm super excited to see, you know, those top teams at nationals, like I also see all my, all my mates as well. Yeah, <laughs> but, it, but kind of, so even though the women's division has, you know, gotten itself to 28 teams attending a tour a couple of years ago, there's still a lot of women's teams that aren't true club structures. They're not interested in trying to get to nationals because frankly, they don't want to have to go and play the top four. Um, it's always been a difficult thing. Like with, There seems to have been a, a, a long legacy of pickup teams going to nationals in, in the women's division. It's sort of like you have maybe five or six really decently competitive teams and then sort of, you know, trying to fill those last spots can be a bit tricky. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they made the decision to bring in small women in. It's something that, you know, it's a lot of depth in that club. 
and it was really helpful. And obviously they had some really good tight games um, and some real excitement got added to the league that perhaps otherwise might not have been there. You could have involved Spice, but obviously the, the problem with Spice is that they're, you know, a newer team. Yes, they'd played some indoors, but they hadn't, you know, got the record for outdoors. But then you look at kind of how massive the drop-off was for Red in terms of A, engagement, because again, it's like they're not as established of a team. They're still quite sort of, you know, there's a, a different, because I've played Red quite a lot over the past couple of seasons. There's a lot of like, movement in their roster they don't really have like a super committed super involved core set that you know you need that foundation to build a decent club team anyway mm. so yeah I think smog women definitely brought a lot into the league that if they hadn't had that that you know there would have been probably another team that had the similar score lines to red I mean obviously red then ended up dropping out of the the playoffs due to only having four players signed up but yeah I think this idea of bringing in smog to the women's league was very sensible. Should there have been really the league structure itself? I'm not sure um, it was necessary, necessary, but obviously, you know, it's just a, you know, finding a structure that works sort of, you know, pulling something together so that at least there can be some excitement and something happening and just allowing Frisbee to continue. Whereas then turning to Hux in the mixed division, and I've discussed this with a couple of people and they've said, well, it's the same thing. There's just not enough depth down. But I think it, looking at, again, looking at some of the score lines that were coming out from the league games, I would probably wager that you could have looked a little bit lower down the mixed, <laughs> the mixed tour rankings from years gone by and probably found a more suitable solution just off by virtue of, I think also that, and it was, it was an interesting thing, right? So it brings a different flavor to the games if you have absolutely no idea who's going to turn up on their roster of yeah, the, yeah. you know, top open and women's players. But I'm not sure that brought as much value and as much excitement as, as Smog women did to the women's division. I think for that, it was more of a groan of like, oh, well, we because we know that Mighty Hux is a pickup team. It's always been a pickup team. They have some, you know, seasoned regulars and you know i'm not gonna not gonna throw any shade on them they're all very very good at frisbee and obviously gave some really competitive games to the top teams but thinking about what really did that bring in terms of excitement and kind of like do, do you see what i mean it's, it's that difference yeah, yeah. of you could have probably given the opportunity for other people who weren't already involved in the open and women's divisions you know they could have had a bit more meaning, had a bit more excitement in their season. Um, and yeah, they might have gotten completely trounced by Smog and Reading, but hey, you know, <laughs> losing everyone, a bit improvement, right? Did. Yeah, everyone else did. So, I mean, it wouldn't exactly have been a massive amount of shame to have been trounced by um, Smog and Reading. And I think I agree in terms of the women's division. I think I obviously, including Spice, would be a difficult decision because they didn't have any history. Uh, clearly, if the league is to happen again, Spice are going to be included. I think that's pretty obvious given the results they've had against everybody else and also the results they've had against the top teams when they played them in Challenge League games. They've beaten Bristol. Like, Bristol, sure, they were experimenting, they were doing different things, but at the end of the day, a win over Bristol is a win over Bristol. And they pushed Icini relatively close, they pushed Sick pretty close. Like, they're clearly a good team. So if the league... Oh, for again, sure. Spice will be in it. So that's kind of... I get why that decision was made and I think you're right that Smart definitely brought something. I mean, they won the whole thing, so they definitely brought something to the league. But I think with Mixed, it is a bit more... It is a bit more difficult, and obviously, as a player in the mixed division for one of the teams who probably would have had 
an argument to be included. I am somewhat biased, but you look at it, put another team into the league and that team will be battered. But Cambridge and Oxford beat Glasgow and Birmingham. And those are two teams that didn't even make the final of the cup. You know, they're two good teams. There's good teams, good mixed teams kind of all over the country. You know, Lemmings, who won the cup pretty convincingly, didn't really have a close game. They could easily have, you know, been involved in that league and given people decent games. Would they have been able to beat Reading? No, I don't imagine they would have. But would they have been able to give them a good game? Yeah, I think they'd be able to give them a good game. So, but all that said, it's the same thing as with the women's division and with the open division. You can say now, with the benefit of hindsight, Lemmings would have fitted. But if you're picking that at the beginning of the season, no one's putting Lemmings in the league. So I don't necessarily blame the UKU for that that element of that decision. I suppose it's just a bit of the how and what do you want the, the leagues to be? Is the leagues about competitive games or is it about trying to develop the, the teams, the people who are committed to that division? But that one is a, a tough question, as is the roster locking thing that you were talking about. It's all pretty, pretty tough stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's an interesting one because I think, We'll we'll never know because we weren't sat there in the in the room when the UK were making decisions. Like so, it and this is this is not meant with any disrespect because obviously the world was a very strange place when these decisions were being made, and it was like, well, who knows what's even going to happen? We definitely can't run big weekend tournaments because, good lord, the you know the super spreader event that that would be, you know, potentially, it, it's a really hard one to make, but part of it does feel a little bit lazy. You know, it's that kind of not really necessarily engaging with teams. And I'm not saying, you know, that, that like in an ideal world, you would, you know, you maybe would have even had like a bid process. But I think my understanding of what happened was, is the UK made some decisions about who they'd like to invite to play the league. And they invited those teams and those teams, you know, if you're managing a team of, of pickup superstars, and they're all your mates and you really like playing Frisbee with them, which is why you have the team in the first place. Like, you're not going to turn that down. That would be mad because you want to play Frisbee with your friends <laughs> and you enjoy playing with that team. So why wouldn't you? But I suppose there, there perhaps could have been more of an effort made to engage with, you know, this is what we're thinking of doing. If you'd like to be considered for a spot for the, you know, the top six, like right, it's an application. In the same way of the number of indoor national tournaments I've been to um, where they've said like if you think you should have a particular seeding if you should be high or low in the rankings or whatnot because it's indoors and it fluctuates all the time like write, write to us tell us who you have tell us you know why you should be a higher seed or a lower seed like that has happened before in the in the, like, the past of the UKU so maybe there could have been a bit more of a, an attempt made to to try and because it's like I say it's no there's it's no surprise that that Hux did have a, a different roster every time almost because that's their that's their bag they they do that every tour like um so perhaps there could have been a more engagement and kind of thinking thinking a little bit outside the box than just like looking down the list of the rankings um but hey like it's i'm really really pleased that we got some frisbee happening like i said there have been some some excitement some things to actually talk about yeah it's been it's been really good and i and it seems like all of the players regardless of which club they were playing for, seemed to have enjoyed the league structure. They enjoyed going down and playing the games. Um, but I do, my heart does go out to the Scottish teams who have to travel the furthest and had you know, obviously quite a long period of not being able to train when all of us English types and Welsh types were able to go out and throw frisbees with almost reckless abandon. Yeah, definitely the Scottish teams had it, had it worse than everyone else. 
with the different restrictions and all the traveling, as you say. But I mean, they they have to do that traveling most times anyway. Obviously, there's been long-standing complaints that a lot of the events happen in England and usually in either the Midlands or the South. Uh, but I suppose it's just fewer games this time that they were they were traveling for. But like like you, I um I appreciate all the work that that Cy and Meg and the rest of the UK you did to get us all playing again because it's definitely been good actually having a competition to play, even if we can't do tour events. And I also just there's no I'm certainly not suggesting, and I'm sure you're not suggesting that Hux or Smog or any of those players that are involved in those games did anything wrong. They just they did what they were asked if they wanted to play. They said they wanted to play for fair play. I would probably have uh, played more games than people have been asking me to so uh, certainly no suggestion that they did anything wrong here yeah we're all just jelly we're all just we're all just sour you know we <laughs> so yeah we're it's... gonna have to play a different division we're gonna have to go into the masters division to find more games they've just been able to find it find it already yeah but i think that's nothing new right there's um there is it's always been the case of the uku structure whatever it looks like works better for some players than, than other players and that usually just tends to be based on geography of whether you live in London or don't live in London. True. Um, <laughs> yeah. Although I have to say the pandemic, I, I thought, Sean, before the pandemic of like, oh, you know, maybe I should stop commuting to London to play for a club team that's like established. Maybe I'll play more like local Frisbee. Um, I honestly am like, just take me back to playing in London. <laughs> so much hard work out here having to organise stuff. Uh, <laughs> If there's any consolation, it's hard work in London as well. It's just that usually we have people in a more closely concentrated area. So that hard work generally means we have uh, decent numbers. I know. They pay, it therefore feels more worth it. Whereas, yeah, whereas if, yeah. you're, if you're playing a hot box <laughs> and you're the only member of the committee there, <laughs> she says crying into milk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think that's everything that I want to cover structure-wise. Is there anything, any other thoughts that you have before we before we leave um i think that actually for the open division it'd be quite fun to continue with the league structure mm. if clubs are up for it but i think that's got to be that's the big if isn't it is if clubs are up for that sort of regular thing during the season because it, it's it's where do we go from here right like there's been this big experiment it's been quite exciting um, and actually to be fair also for the mixed division it could work I know obviously in the States, there's a lots of trash talking about like the triple, triple crown tour and these kind of like these more locked in for a season based on your rankings the previous year kind of structure. But I kind of like that. Like, yeah, it sucks that you can't then suddenly have like you and your best mates who all decide to play Frisbee together for two or three years. Because that happens, right? And that can be really successful. You know, look at Bearcav, right? They had that sort of short shot. These are our goals. This is what we're doing. And then we're going to dissolve and disappear forever. Yep. But yeah, I think there's, there's, sort it. Like make people, make people try hard to have to have that initial establishing season, build something worthwhile. Maybe that will stop perhaps quite so many teams doing that, you know, here today, gone tomorrow thing of like, oh, we're going to try really hard. And we're going to build this club. And then, they have a season where not everyone will run away from their club teams to join their friends. And they're like, Oh, we'll see how you go for that first season, see where you can get to in the tour structure. And then it falls on its butt. So I don't know. It's, I'd be pro seeing how that works because I mean, we're probably still not going to return to, well, maybe even not full normal life really until maybe the year after next. I don't know. I feel like there's still going to be potential hangups on traveling and, 
you know, these new variants coming through. Mm. As much as it depresses me to think about it, like yeah. maybe maybe big, big tour events still are not going to be feasible until maybe 2023. Yeah, you might be right. The one thing I think with the Open Division and whether the league works, the league probably works. There's like three teams that are kind of even uh, in the middle there and you've got the two teams that are at the bottom of the league and the top five or six teams in the cup are probably, you know, probably roughly equal. You could have some decent games between them. The problem that the Open League has is that Clapham are just so much better than everyone else. It's just tremendously... Just, like, tremendously just don't invite them. Just, yeah, it's like... <laughs> they're just going to be... They they had one game where people got to double figures this year. And I know speaking to Briggs, he said that game against Albu was close in the first half, but that's... Clapham have had close first half games against several teams, but they very rarely have close second halves. <laughs> I mean... They get Clapham'd. It's teams just, get clapped. It's just tremendously interesting, which is great for Clapham, obviously. But I, the league structure, yeah, sure, it could probably work. But uh, at the end of the day, we all know what happened. So uh, I'm, you're right. We might not be able to get back to tour events, but I would, I would hope if we are going to a, a league structure next year, in future, whatever it is, perhaps we expand it out a bit. We oh yeah, hundred uh, percent, like slightly different. With it. <laughs> you don't do a six-team league. Absolutely not. That's just, that was a, a quick fix for this year. It'd be bonkers to keep that, but something similar that is league-ish that, yeah, it's just trying to, it's trying to think creatively, isn't it? Because it's, it's, we're at that sort of, that point, I think, where, as we've already said, it would be lovely to go back to just the old structure of the, the tour season as was, but actually, is that going to stop us from really growing and obviously, I mean, there's loads of people that have, you know, changed their lifestyles and are ready to try new things still. So I think there's, there's definitely room for keeping some of the changes and like I say, making things a bit more, bit more, bit more meaningful, especially for kind of how you qualify out to nationals. Because especially like if you're then having, you know, sanctioned events that are happening that are more spread out, you're getting more clubs involved with, you know, it's, it's all about meaning that's what I keep coming back to in my thoughts of like giving other people outside of the elite echelons, giving them ways of finding ultimate, more meaningful. Um, and whether that's organizing a tournament, if you're maybe not such an athletic person, but you're good at organizing or whatever it is, it's trying to find ways of making UK ultimate mean more to more people because that's kind of what we need. I think. Yeah. And I think that's something that we'll, have to see what happens kind of as the structure and all that stuff gets uh, gets confirmed next year so we'll certainly revisit this in the off season but for now thank you very much for your time honey and uh, i'll speak to you soon and i'll see you at nationals my pleasure see you there Dad. so one of the main things to talk about from the league and cup season was the inclusion of smog and mighty hucks in the leagues despite the fact that both teams had declined their place to nationals so to talk about that i have now got on the line with my old uni teammate ben bruin captain of hucks bruin how you doing yeah i'm not too bad sir yourself i'm all right i'm all right how's the how's the season been it's been a strange one obviously uh, for everybody and for you and hucks kind of gathering the team Every match, I know you uh, you obviously have to persuade people to play every time out, so it's a it's an arduous task for you. But how's it been with all these games? Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone will agree it's been an interesting one. But I guess for us, on many different levels, I I guess there's a lot of discussion about you know Hux being more of a, a pickup team. But I guess I don't know whether I'd class as a pick like 
I see why people class as a picker team, but granted this season has been a little bit differently, but previous to them we've had over the last couple of years a lot more consistent player sort of base. Um, this year has obviously been a lot different. So yeah, I guess a lot of the challenges for us have been building a team in general, like having men's and women's games one weekend, mix the next weekend as a mixed team that has a lot of men's and women's players. They're all training on the mixed weekend game fixtures. So um, I know like when we played Birmingham, we ended up speaking to them and be like, I know this is asking a lot, but is there any chance we can have a Sunday morning game? Because that's the only time that doesn't clash with someone. So it, it, it got very difficult. We Yeah, we had to try and do what we could to accommodate as many people as we can so that we could have a team. I mean, one, one like obviously for ourselves to have a decent game, but also, you know, some of the top, t- well, every, every team that we play against, they don't really want to turn up and play a depleted team, a, a, you know, a, a weakened team just because we can't get the players there. We want to give them as tough a game as possible for our own benefit and for theirs so that they get the prep that they want for qualification for nationals through, you know, the playoff games, whatever they end up in. From my side, uh, and uh, on what's been, because I guess like a quite heavily injury-based season so far, it's been a, an admin nightmare. Um, <laughs> trying to Trying to get players involved, arrange all these fixtures at venues that no one's ever used before. Like to start with, it's it's kind of a bit of a risk. Just you book a venue and you you hope that it's good enough when you get there. Once we found a good venue, like we managed to use it a few times, but it was definitely challenging on that side. And then you've got the the difficulty of I guess trying to get everyone to this this one venue. You've got teams traveling like we've mixed from Glasgow, and then our player base, which is um, I guess you could probably narrow it down to the UK. Um, it, it makes it like difficult. Like we we kind of said to UKU early on, we were like. I know we've got host teams, but it probably makes more sense. Let the other teams host. They can have the home advantage because we're traveling regardless. So it didn't make sense to make us a host. Like we're happy to help with the admin and did in many cases, but it didn't really make sense to have us as a host team because we don't really have a a central location that covers most of us. So yeah, it's definitely challenging. Um, Nice to just get back to it, I guess. I think everyone was enjoying playing, meeting up like for Hux because we aren't training the tournaments normally are the time that we get together we have a weekend together normally so having these one days where we could get together have a bit of catch-up it, it was just nice to get back to it really um as, as i think you know probably everyone everyone that you spoke to this season's kind of agreed it's just a way to get back to it yeah definitely i think one one thing that you said there about um it being an admin nightmare i we've known each other for a long time you're now running the mixed indoor and mixed beach teams. If there's one thing I know you like, Bruin, it's admin. So don't give me that admin nightmare stuff. There's a difference between liking and having involuntarily practiced it a lot. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So outside of, we'll get to the hooks and smog in, in the leagues, the benefits and all that kind of stuff and, and the maybe the drawbacks in a minute. But in terms of the structure itself, the league and how it worked, how did you find it? Do you think it was a decent solution? Yeah, I think I think it's it was it was a it was a good solution for the situation we're in. I think it was a good compromise of giving everyone the kind of I guess feeling safe while returning to play. Like they could have quite easily, I don't know, brought three or four teams together and said, "Oh, we'll do a little one-day tournament." But I think you'd get quite a mixture between all the players within a team of people that do feel safe with that, people that don't. Um, you got a lot of people coming from different backgrounds, like people that work from home are obviously, you know, they they're staying. You know, fairly isolated anyway, and uh, they're not essentially as worried. But then you've got other players that have got families and other people to, to kind of worry about, or lots of teachers in the sport as well. Um, so I think it was probably probably the best situation that we could have had from it. 
I guess the only argument is when you have you separate it and you try and put the top teams together, which then means you've got teams based all over the country. Mm. Having that obviously meant there was a lot of travelling for one or two games. Was the only other option would have been do you then have you know more regional based games, but then you you know be potentially not getting the same standard and same uh, quality of games out of it because you're not playing teams of the same ability. So I think it's probably I think it's probably best case you know scenario sort of situation that they managed to come to based on what we're in. Um, I guess there was there was our, our last games of the season felt a bit like a little mini mixed tournament because it just so happened that all six teams were at the same venue. They both booked the same venue. Okay, I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that that happened for the last lot. So um, it was when Glasgow Deep Space, uh, sorry, Glasgow were playing Deep Space and Hux, and then you had the Reading, Smog, um, and Birmingham games. And yeah, we all ended up at the same same venue, a pitch apart. Wow. I mean, at least it was later on, so you know it did have that little one day tournament feel about it. It was quite nice seeing so many players at one place, and it yeah it did kind of have that I don't know old school feel to it again. Just despite, I guess, it being trying to trying to be avoided. That is quite cool, though, having all those teams there in, at one time. So the kind of the main question, really, that uh, that you're here to talk about, there have been there's been discussions all all season about the inclusion of Smog and Hux in the league because neither of you have been going for nationals. Obviously, you both turn your place down at the beginning of the season, so it's not as though you've been hiding anything. It's been pretty well known the entire way through, and also both of you you know, did what UK you asked you to do. So it's not as though there's anything you've been doing wrong either. But do you understand why people would think that it should be teams that are going for nationals in the league only and then you play Challenge League games or something like that? Do you get that perspective or are you thinking, you've obviously mentioned already that teams are looking to get, you know, pretty good games and you can offer that because of the players that you have at your disposal. So there's obviously two sides to this coin, but do you see the argument that other people are making? Yeah, totally. So I think when I first heard the structure being announced and we didn't know which teams were being selected, I I was kind of expecting an email or a call to say, um, are you planning to go to nationals? If not, you know, we'd probably involve other teams in this. Mm. Like I half expected that thinking that then, I guess for us, there's potentially not going to be a season. So I, I did half expect that. And I guess from our side, was kind of like pleasantly surprised that we then were invited along to play it. And I guess the way to kind of, that I've kind of thought about it is there's two different slants that you take on how the national leagues run. Is it like an, an elite league or is it a nationals qualification league? Mm-hmm. And I think depending on which of the two takes you take on it decides then whether we should or shouldn't be involved. Sure. I think there could have been maybe some clearer communications early on around what happened, you know, with us being involved, like what happened if we were in the top three, bottom three, where we finish. I can understand why, whichever the seventh place team was probably feels hard done by. I can see why, especially the team that finishes fourth in the league, uh, considering us and Smog finished in the in the top three of both our leagues. Um, you can kind of see why they feel a bit hard done by. I mean, for deep space, they've got the automatic win, so I guess not all bad. But yeah, and I, I totally see the, the point of view from both. For me personally, like I think if they'd have said to us that we're just playing Challenge League games, I'm not sure whether we'd have actually ended up playing any games. Because with a lot of our players focusing on men's and women's, trying to then get everyone together essentially for a friendly, yeah, I don't think everyone would have committed as much as they did to then travelling for, for these games, unless we could have maybe arranged a couple of games against some of the top teams. But if they're already playing in a National League game, is it likely that we're actually in the final weekend that works for them? 
So that's the the main draw for your players, and it's the guaranteed quality. It's playing against the Reddings and Smogs and Deep Spaces. You know the teams that everyone knows are really good. They're going to get a good fun game out of it. Yeah, yeah. I think like a lot of our players, you know, we're 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 there to kind of you know play those difficult games, challenge ourselves as individuals as a team coming together. Um, we've we've always you know we've openly been a, a, a team that is just a group of friends that come together. Uh, this year, we've I guess we've expanded that friendship. <laughs> like Bristol and Spice joining us. Um, again, like some of that because of the structure was kind of, I guess we were almost like forced into recruitment. Like a lot of our players couldn't make every game because of the training commitments. They're obviously going to be prioritising their men's women's games and training over ours because at the end of the day, I guess our games are a, a friendly, they're an extra for everyone that when the mixed season and the open and women's season are separate, it works. It gives them, gives them that, those competitive games throughout. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's that's hundred percent like kind of why why we are here as a team because we want to play at that top level. We like to challenge ourselves across mixed as well. We all enjoy playing mixed. Um, it's just that we've the majority of our players had previously committed to an open all wins team. I've stayed with that women open all wins team for years, and so we, you know we've we've always kind of been the second choice for a lot of people, which is why we've previously well we've only ever done one nationals, mm. and we've yeah we've always focused on the tour situation. So. Final question, kind of an abstract one uh, that I know I'm kind of throwing at you out of the blue, but if we did this season again, or if this structure stays until next season, and UK, you came to you and said, same thing, do you want to be in the league again? Considering, you know, you finished, you finished third, you obviously did pretty well. We want you to be in the league again. Would you say yes again? Is this something you would be interested in doing again? Or is there, would you try and go about things a different way? Um, I guess... I guess it depends how they go about because I, I don't feel like the league would stay as it is because, like, obviously we had a lot of games to fit into a very short period of time, so that's why the league was only six teams mm-hmm. um, and why it was so compact. So if you then made that the normal for next season, would you then have a 12-league team? Like, would you play it more often? Would you have lots of one-day game like tournament mini-tournaments with, like, three teams there? I think there'd be lo- lots of variations that would potentially happen. Um, if that was the you know the new the new way they were going to work and that's what they decided, I mean we'd we'd have that discussion with our with our players. I think we'd look to do it. We'd definitely be interested in doing it. We have a lot of people that are very keen to it. You know, I mean we've had lots of players over the years that have been committed and played for Hux as like their their first option. And I think because we've always struggled to quite get to that full strength, like a, a full squad size that could do regionals and nationals, eventually our our players that were committed to mixed have slowly moved to a men's and women's team and found the commitment elsewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, if that's if that's if that was the structure that decided, we, you know, we'd, we'd still want to play, we'd still want to compete. Um, we wouldn't just think, oh, that's not what we used to. We'll just mm. tap on and start playing now. I think everyone would still be very keen to to play and you know compete and get together as a as a group of friends that you know enjoy playing that high level ultimate. And I suppose if it was to happen again, there'd also be the you already talked about the you know clear communication, making sure everyone knows what's going on. If this was to happen again, that would already be in place because everyone's experienced it once. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess the one potential thing is like, do they do this route as a way of qualifying for nationals? So, do you then take some of the top teams, do a little league and cup qualification again? Mm. Um, which, if that was the case, and it was later on on top of the tour, you know, version or whatever, then I totally understand if they then said this is just for qualification of nationals. Therefore, you know, we wouldn't offer Hux a spot because they're not going to take a spot for nationals. And I suppose you probably wouldn't be able to take it as well because of the roster locking. But you'll like your yeah, yeah, if it's down to the roster locking, yeah. So yeah, we'd, we'd be, I guess, forced into that situation. Despite the rumours of 
people worrying that we'd because Mick started first they're like have you definitely turned down the spot we had to send a lot of confirmation emails <laughs> to clubs to say no we've definitely turned down our spot we, we're not we're not just doing it on the sly and Ross Lock and Clapham I see any case from the start that would be funny though I would really rate that if you had if you had done something like that just for just for a laugh that would have been funny I would have I was like maybe I'll rewrite to them <laughs> just throwing in some massive drama into the season but um, but no well thanks very much Bruin uh, good to talk to you and good luck with Devon and with the, all the GB teams that you're running I'm sure you'll be running six or seven by the time we uh, we get to the actual tournaments uh, full-time admin role by then <laughs> But yeah, thanks for your time, and I'll speak to you soon. All right, cheers. All right, that will do it for today. Hopefully you found that interesting and a good discussion of the various different points about this season that worked and, and what didn't. Just to you know, emphasise again, I'm sure I speak for both myself and for everybody who is on this podcast, we're definitely not criticising the UKU in terms of getting the season on. The work that Sai and Meg and everyone did to get games happening this year was fantastic and I'm sure everyone's glad to be back playing. So uh, this is just a case of trying to look at the season and seeing what we can learn from it moving forward and ways we can make things better. And uh, again, I've said it in there as well, definitely not having a go at Smog and Mighty Hux here. Hopefully uh, they found it balanced as well. They didn't think I was criticising them or anything, but um, I'm always happy to talk to people and obviously I will be at Nationals so I'll be able to have as many discussions as everybody wants about the system and what we can talk about on the podcast in future and then the things we can um, push forward to UKU to try and help the sport moving forward. So next week we'll be coming back with previews for each of the divisions. We've got a preview on the Open Division, the Mixed Division and the Women's Division. There'll be different people, different teams that we'll talk to to get ready for the first and biggest tournament of the year. So we'll start the hype on that next week. But until then, I'll speak to you all soon.